Hello and welcome to this crossover episode of PandaVision and the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we are talking about The Mandalorian. The new season's coming out pretty soon, and so we're doing a review. We're talking about season one. We're talking about all the things we loved. We're talking about the characters and where they wound up, what our theories are, and everything we're looking forward to about season two. All that and more when myself, Ashley Coffin, and Paul Happy join in. Right after this commercial break, we have no control over Welcome back to PandaVision. This is Matthew. This is the place where we talk about all the geeky media we love that generally doesn't have its own universe. Of course, Star Wars does, but here we're talking about it just because so many folks are so excited about Mandalorian Season 2 that's coming out. My name is Matthew. I'm, among other things, the host of the Star Wars Universe podcast, and we're going to be talking about every episode of that new season when it comes out on that podcast ourselves. So we're putting this out to kind of, you know, get folks excited Probably you're getting really uh, hyped up, getting ready for the new season. Maybe you've forgotten some details. You want to do a quick review, get ready. Hopefully you also join us for our episode-by-episode cast on Star Wars. But even if not, this is a great way to um, help bring you back into the conversation, get you ready for season two. Two quick things I want to just say about that. One, as I said, we will be doing every episode on the Star Wars Universe podcast. We are also going to be doing um, a live watch party for every episode. So... The new episodes are going to be dropping on Fridays, starting with this Friday, and every Friday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, 8.30 Eastern, all the rest of it, we're going to be doing a watch party where you can sign on, watch the episodes live with us, um, and chat along with us. Ask questions, get thoughts, debate theories, everything as we watch the episode together. That'll be with myself, very often with Ashley or Paul, or other people who can join, and quite a lot of other folks from here at the Stranded Panda Network. So please check out both of those things, and... Now let's jump right into this conversation. Um, as I said, joining me are Ashley and Paul. How are you guys doing tonight? How and how are you feeling about the new season coming out? Hey, everybody. <laughs> happy to be back. Awesome. Ashley, good to have you here with us. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, too. This is Paul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ashley's uh, voice needs no explanation. I'm looking forward to, to seeing some new episodes. Um, I know. New content. New content. I don't yeah, care what right? it is as long as it's new. <laughs> it has just been so I mean, with all the pandemic stuff, we, we, I know we've been all kind of talking about scraping the bottom of the barrel a little bit to find things to talk about. And the fact that we have eight new episodes coming out is just super exciting to me. And I, I like that it's once a week because if not, it'd be done. And then as Ken likes to say, it's like we really have to rewatch them again before yeah. you do a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, every now and then my uh, partner Mary has to be like, um, can we watch something that you're not going to record about just to watch it? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, I've definitely felt um, some some burden of, of trying to watch a whole bunch of stuff because, uh, you know, we were going to do this. And I was like, oh, I'll rewatch season one. And then I, I started watching um, The Queen's Gambit when it came out. And Seven hours later, I was done watching it, but <laughs> but I could have watched uh, Mandalorian season one again in that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I sure. did the same thing. I watched that horrible Emily in Paris 
for no reason whatsoever on Saturday. I watched all of them. And I was just like, what did I just do with my life? Just so like a couple times I could be like, oh, I was there. Oh, I sat there. I was like, that show was bad. (laughs) The thing, unfortunately, that keeps happening, and and Paul has been one of the worst culprits in this, though I'm pretty bad too, is either he or I will suggest that we watch something together or just that we both watch something and talk about it or that like one of us is watching it and you you want to check it out. And it's always like, oh, no, this is totally outside of genre. This is just something you're going to like. And then later we wind up podcasting about it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But today we are talking about an established universe. We're talking about the Star Wars universe. Um, and what's really been, I think, um, for many folks, one of the best best new things to come out from Star Wars in quite a while. Um, so let me just start there. What did you guys like so much about Mandalorian Season 1? What really drew you in? Everything. Um, <laughs> well, awesome. like. Ken hate he doesn't hate but he's not big into Star Wars and neither is uh like Matthew Carroll but right. I know a lot of people who aren't into Star Wars are now into Star Wars because of this show I think it was just what they did with um usually doing a show with a different director for each episode doesn't work mm-hmm. usually that happens when like shows are are failing like ie Twin Peaks or other stuff but <laughs> this really worked they were all able to bring this like really good story together while each episode did kind of feel different well and it's funny because i'll admit i didn't know it was all different all different directors because you're right it did feel different but they i mean with the most recent movies if nothing else um we really got a taste of the bad things that can happen when different directors direct different movies or different uh episodes and there isn't a coherent narrative and a coherent feel and i definitely felt like you're right like each episode was a little bit different but there did there did feel like there was a through line. You know, it didn't feel like just random and off the wall. I mean, even compared to something like Lovecraft, which I loved, but did feel very disjointed in a lot of ways. This did feel like a very cohesive story um, where it was always kind of the same feel, even if, as you said, it was different directors. Yeah. It's like, you know, that they all got together and had, you know, round tables to be right. like, this is my episode. This is how we're going to make it work. Like they really worked it all together to make it, I would almost say, perfect. Yeah, I I do think it was a very very good show. Paul, what about yourself? What 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 got you into it? Um, well, so yeah, I mean, I I probably didn't like it quite as much. Um, certainly not on the second time. The the first time though, um, I I think something I really like about it is the pacing, mm-hmm. uh, the lack of dialogue. Uh, I'm a fan of you know a stoic character in a helmet. Yeah. Which apparently <laughs> so is John Favreau. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there's obviously like a lot of kind of Iron Man similarities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, also, a lot of my favorite characters are like retired assassins. Um, uh-huh. You know, <laughs> like you know, Born uh, in the Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, Wesley in the Princess Bride. I mean, I could go on and on. Gross Point Blank. Yeah. Gross Point Blank. Yeah, no, it's it's a long list. Uh, <laughs> Bucky's like my, I mean, the Winter Soldier is like my favorite character in the MCU. I don't know why, it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because then whenever I go out in a mask and sunglasses, I like sort of in my head, I picture Bucky, <laughs> even though I right now don't really look much like him. I like uh, it. But, I like it. <laughs> just put but, on a fierce smoke eye, you'll be fine. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, I think the shorter episodes was a really good choice given yeah. kind of how, um, how much. How much uh, the the series relies on timing and sort of this pressure that doesn't come from like necessarily like really huge stakes. 
Yeah. Right? It's like a lot of the episodes, I think, feel kind of small, but not in a bad way. Um, I mean, there's like like episode five, really, I wasn't a, a fan of. Um, like, I, I just think like Ming-Na Wen was like super wasted in it. But, yeah, that's um, definitely true. <laughs> but the, you know... I mean, we talked about this when we were talking about Return of the Jedi also, like, the amount that someone can convey with, like, a tilt of the head or, you know, being able to really successfully execute on um, communicating emotion and thought while, like, in a metal suit, basically. Um, I just, I, I find very compelling. And I, I think it's, there's sort of a universality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, I mean, I love great dialogue, right? But I hate terrible dialogue. And the less dialogue <laughs> you have, the less likely you are to have, like, you know, some really bad dialogue. And so when you're able to say so much without really saying words, um, yeah. I just find that very powerful. And I think The Mandalorian does an amazing job of it. Also, what? Baby Yoda's just, like, the cutest thing ever. Oh, I can't even <laughs> handle him. I just want to squeeze his little face. Well, and, and but I think that that it, to me it all ties together, and and you're right. There's something amazing about a show that is completely carried. Like the two primary characters, the only ones I think who appear in every single episode, mm-hmm. are a man who literally never shows you his face except for ten seconds in the last episode. Yeah. And a puppet that never says a word the entire the entire show. Like, right. The cutest darn puppet this side of the galaxy. Oh my god, adorable. He's like meh. Yeah. I, yes. uh, we, we were commenting during the the view of Return of the Jedi that a um um a movie in which uh uh Baby Yoda and the Ewoks meet up would just be diabetically levels of sweet. <laughs> it, it was. But but I think that's um and I want to get to actually that and I think how well that character was balanced. But I mean I and I, tell me if you guys are disagree. I feel like that Mando and the child had a complicated nuanced relationship that developed and grew over these eight episodes and like yes. i feel like at different points in time i knew how they related to each other and when you realize that they they like he talked to the child the child right. could coo and make faces and it was a puppet like it was so right it, mm-hmm. it is but amazing it, it, to me how much they developed that relationship so well yeah, me too. It's it's a really fancy puppet, though, I think. Also like, true. Also true. I'm pretty sure Smell that's like real. Puppet. That's just some real <laughs> right. Yoda thing. They just didn't tell us. Right. It, real. The puppet story is a cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the alien invasion has actually begun. Exactly. This is just too cute. Well, and I, that's what, the other thing I was going to say about Yo- the baby Yoda is that, which, granted, it's the child. We don't know if it's a Yoda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's um, baby Yoda. It's, it's baby okay. Yoda. It's always baby Yoda. Um, but... I, I, when I watch it, there's a part of me that realizes, like, this is cloyingly sweet levels of adorableness. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was in almost any other show or movie, it might be way too much. Right. And on the flip side, The Mandalorian is at times very dark and very grim. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of feel like... The, <laughs> at the, the, at the, times. At t- yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> I feel like the two really need each other. You know, like I think the show yeah. without this one incredible, hopeful, beautiful, adorable character would be really bad. And putting that character in anything that wasn't quite so dark and cynical would just feel like 100% uh, audience manipulation. I like how he can turn into a little murder machine when he wants to. <laughs> right? He right, choked like, the shit out of Kara. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like, um, it's adorable, but, you know, deadly, right? Yeah. Like, not, also, you know, 50, so probably older than The Mandalorian, right? But, um, yeah. I, I do think that juxtaposition, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that, like, with, you know, without the one, the other would, like, necessarily be bad. I'd have to see it. But yeah, of course. Um, I do think that the juxtaposition is, it's kind of what makes the show really special and, and unique. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think what you said about stakes is also important. I know we've talked before about how it can just be exhausting when every TV show, every movie is about saving the world. Mm -hmm. And, but also the stakes have to be big enough that you care. And especially, I was I rewatched the the series mostly um, in the last two days, and one thing I was noticing is that there's this wonderful balance because most of the time it is this very small story. You know, I mean, the child is adorable, but if it's killed, you don't think the world's going to end. And uh, the Mandalorian is like a good guy; we want to we root for him, and you know, we're sad that Quill dies, but but the stakes are not that vague. But at the same time, like. We know that the child is very powerful, and we know that the Empire wants it for some dark, mysterious purpose. And so it always feels like there's this, like, potential much bigger stakes waiting out in the background that we don't yet know anything about. And and to me, that's almost kind of perfect, because it make, it gives just a little bit more menace and just a little bit more of, you know, maybe if things all go wrong, this could be really bad for ways that are much worse than we know. But we're still mostly focused on these smaller stakes. It makes me think about that scene. Um, what was that that guy that they met up with? Toro? Toro? The, the bounty hunter? Yeah, the young yeah, one who's Toro. like, I want to be like you. Um, when he murdered the crap out of that girl, what? Oh, God, the name's Shen? I think it's was Shane. It Shane? I, I, I mean, she's, she's, she's played by the Shen. woman from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's yeah. All, you know, I'll think of her. Well, it's like, who was that mysterious person that walked up to her body that they never went back and, like, yeah. told us about? So there's all those little things that's showing you exactly what you just said, I think. Yeah. There's there's so much else still going on. And, and frankly, I think this really did a great job of world building. You know, anytime we're talking about something in an extended universe, that's always one of the big questions. And I feel like this told me so much about what happened to the world after the Empire was destroyed What's happening on these different planets? You know, it, it's... I just referenced Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it feels very much like that of, you know, let's lower the focus of the camera. Let's show you what's happening to the people who aren't Jedi, who aren't, you know, generals. They're just kind of workaday people getting through their lives and how this is all affecting them. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely gives a feel for that. I, I would say I still don't have a clear idea of, like, what's really going on Mm -hmm. in the world, like, overall. Right. Um, it's like, okay, there's a new Republic. They're, like, doing some stuff. And then there's the remnants of the Empire, and they're doing some other stuff. And, like, it shows us kind of the people who aren't mostly in those two groups. Like, the people who aren't maybe some of the outer systems. I, I, I've never quite gotten, like, the, you know, geography or the astronomy of, uh, of Star Wars, <laughs> all that. I, I'm not sure if, the, like, I feel like there should be maps, right? But but they'd right. be complicated because they'd be, like, three-dimensional. I don't know. Um, although I apparently, need, like, a Tony Stark one. Yeah, right, exactly. Bad. That you can, yes, that they, I want they've, that. They've created maps for various games, and I my understanding right, is that they are all pretty standard to each other. But, yeah, it okay. definitely is kind of confusing for sure. Yeah. 
I mean, it's like they talk about the core systems or something, I think, right? But like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, they show a lot of a lot of the planets seem sort of like the sort of more backwater type planets. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And although, you know, I mean, you think about it, it's like each planet ostensibly could be as complex as the Earth in terms of like civilizations. And, you know, it, it seems like a lot of places, this is sort of a broader critique of space shows in general. Mm-hmm. Is like people go to a, a, they go somewhere and it's like that's the one place that exists on that planet. Or sometimes there's like a second place they go to on the planet, right? You know, um, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you could probably spend a lot more time on a given planet. Um, and you know, I wonder whether they'll do that going forward. Like it seems like there was like basically the one village on um, the planet where, what's his name? Is it Grief? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, that's Navarro. Is that is that planet? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and similarly oh, the, I thought that was the name. Ah. Oh yeah. Oh, of a uh, person. And yeah. sim- similarly oh. when they go to the planet where um the the Seven Samurai episode happens, which is mm-hmm. something else we'll talk about cuz it's such a right. brilliant reference. Um but yeah, basically there's a big town and a small town. Yeah. And that's about all right. There. I was happy that we got to go to Tatooine to fix the Razor Crest. I was like, fan service, yes. yes. I know where that place is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ta- in some ways, Tatooine seems to be the one place that they're actually now really starting to develop because we've now gone back to a couple different parts of it at different yeah. times. Um, but yeah, you know, it, Star Wars has always had this idea of places that are fairly monochromatic, uh, both in terms of their culture and, and literally their environment. You know, there's a mm-hmm. desert planet, there's a frost planet, there's a forest right. moon there's all this kind yeah. of stuff yeah that makes sense um so what you, what were some of your favorite episodes my favorite one was the one with bill burr i just i loved everything about that like heist one where he you know they trap him and then he traps them like bill burr is like my favorite comedian so i was super happy to see him in there doing a good job and like just him like pushing over baby yoda and like the entire internet losing their mind on him <laughs> it doesn't have to do with the episode but I loved it. I, yeah. this I really six. liked that episode. Uh, which yeah. one was Bill Burr playing? He is a guy. Mayfield? That's it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, Mayfeld. Yeah, and I, I, I just loved it. Uh, I thought that was another wonderful episode. If it, was, it was very well crafted. It all fit well together. And it had um, the guy who plays Bobby Elvis from Sons of Anarchy yes. uh, as the, the big uber boss. And he was just one of my favorites. Well, didn't that remind you of the Firefly episode? Like, I loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah, very much. It, yeah. It, a lot of different episodes felt very similar to Thing. That was the one episode yeah. that felt like it had nothing to do with a Western. It was 100% Firefly. Um, yeah. Which is right. a space well, Western. Th- so. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but nothing to do with, like, it, it wasn't like an adaptation of a Western. It was an adaptation of a space adaptation of Westerns. Yeah. So <laughs> it was a little more meta. In some ways, I feel like that episode perfectly captures one thing I think this show did really well, which mm-hmm. is that it keeps you so involved that you mm-hmm. don't get terribly distracted by the ridiculous plot holes. <laughs> right, Because, like, right. when I rewatch that episode and I'm realizing, okay, so the New Republic has a system <clears throat> that if a ship sends off a sign that says we're in trouble— they're just going to immediately, no questions asked, blow up that ship. Oh my! Yeah, but I was. Look, but I if was the like, beacon this... moves to somewhere else, they'll just move to no questions asked, blow up that place too. <laughs> like... <laughs> it's like this seems like a terrible policy. 
<laughs> and tell me again how you're better than the Empire. <laughs> and, like, if that was meant to show us the New Republic actually isn't that much better than the Empire, and that's the point, that'd be interesting. Right. But sure. that's not what they went for. No. Right? It was just like, ha, ah, they got blown up, see? Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> but, but it's like the first time I watched that, I barely noticed it. You know, I, I think yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, but who cares? This is so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and that's another actually hanging thread of plot is we did have those three characters just sitting in the brig, sitting in the brig at the end. He didn't kill them. And, right. So that's so clearly something to come back. Yeah. Paul, did you have a favorite episode? Yeah, it might have been episode four, like the Seven Samurai episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like the, the last couple episodes as well a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I like that... Um, uh, what's his face? I, I don't remember all the names right immediately. Um, Moth Gideon? Uh, cr- uh, no, uh, Queel. Queel. Queel, yeah. Queel. Queel. Um, I like that he like reprograms IG-11 to you know be like something different you know the nurse a Um, nurse droid (laughs) right exactly like i think um you know it it really kind of i don't know i mean it shows how you know the character or function of a droid you know can depend on who programs them but it also kind of points to like you know the idea of how teachers and parents can influence the outcomes of their children and you know how people not that people don't have you know free will to like make their own decisions but how how people become who they are has a lot to do with what their experience is mm-hmm. um and just you know the influence you know i mean it's also like a redemption arc you know yeah. um, <laughs> well i think it's actually it's a redemption arc for both of them in some ways because mm-hmm. oh um, yeah uh, it, it, a just on the teaching point, which I hadn't thought of, but I think is so true, and it, it's so relevant because this is all about how, um, you know, Mando was um, found. You know, he was raised as a Mandalorian, and the effect that that those teachers right. had on him, yeah. and that he's now sort of that for Baby Yoda. Um, mm-hmm. But also, just I mean, all season long, we had not really his flaw, but like one of the things he was really wrestling with was his just intent. You know, um, hatred and distrust of droids, right. and you know, again, like hitting you with the emotion, um, the sacrifice of this, you know, completely animated um, but very well acted, voice acted droid uh, that literally doesn't have a face in any way. Like I have no idea where its eyes are. Um, it was a really touching, like you know, it got kind of someone was cutting onions in the room, uh, affecting scene. I think in large part because you could see how much it affected Mando. And honestly, that's the moment where I feel like you most see his character acting because I was struck so much by, without saying a word, you really see Mando wrestling and accepting that maybe his prejudice is a little wrong and that this is a beautiful thing. And I was like, wait, but I never saw his face. How did I get all that? You know, but it's (laughs) it's just the body language and the expression. The head tilts. Yeah, yeah and, and the context a, as well. You know. His Terminator 2. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's T2 moment. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. Although I, I will just footnote that by like um, kind of maybe my biggest gripe with the show is that it's like they're horrible to animals. They're horrible to droids. It has that, you know, redemption at the end, but the redemption comes at the cost of, you know, IG-11's existence. Right. Um, and, you know, so the sort of, like, 
you know, whose lives matter and like, you know, what do we consider people or whatever? I think that's, that's like a big question that's, you know, this whole Star Wars universe has always yeah. um, sort of grappled with a, a little, like mm-hmm. from the very first movie, right? Oh, we don't serve droids in here, right? Yeah. Or you're, they're kind or whatever. And um, I feel like it doesn't totally take like a position on it all the time. Um, and I don't know. Uh, I, you know, one of the things that bothered me most in episode five was kind of that they just like, you know, throw away these two characters and, um, I don't know. Uh, <sighs> which which like, two characters in episode five? Well, um, what, uh, Fennec and Toro and... Um, oh right, the with the the, the gunslinger one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gunslinger one, and you know it's a series where like, you know, spoiler alert, a lot of people die. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so spoiler alert on the recap episode. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But like, you know, sometimes like the choice of who lives and who dies, I think, um, you know, bears a little bit of thought, like you know, which characters are living, which characters are dying, what sort of, you know, aspects of identity or whatever do they have. And um, I don't know. I feel like there's some stuff there, but mm-hmm. I won't get too deep into it. No, I think that's really interesting. Like, I, I definitely saw that, but I didn't, like, pay as much attention to it, and I feel like I will this season now. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, first of all, I'd say... You know, it's the old comic book rule. Like, really, unless you see the head cut off, you don't 100% sure know they're dead. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we saw Fennec, like, on the ground, on con- you know, basically mm-hmm. dead. Um, right. But then we see it, as Ashley pointed out, those, that person going up to them. So maybe, like, they're in a back-to-tank somewhere now. Um, who knows? Um, maybe that person just, like, stealing their stuff. <laughs> we don't know. Right, 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 right. right. We, we really don't know what's going they on. They looked a little too... Dr- they were dressed too nice to look like your average thief. Yeah. To me, though, there's two other things there. One is that I, I will say, for me, I think because of that, I'm going to really want to see how does Mando's attitude towards droids in Season 2 change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if he really has had some kind of a change of heart. And, I mean, one thing I'll say that I the show did so well is it did what no other part of Star Wars ever could. It made battle droids look terrifying. Like, right, when right. I realized yeah. that the battle droids that he's fighting or he's remembering in his memories are the same things Ooh. that were just laughably stupid in the Clone Wars and the Clone War movies. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Um, they gave, it's the dialogue well, that they gave him. Yeah. yeah. It's made them stupid. They never Plus, say Roger Roger or any of that nonsense right plus like in the clone wars and you know revenge of the sith and whatever like they're just getting cut through by jedi like they're butter right yeah Yeah. whereas like if you're not like an army of jedi like maybe the battle droids are scarier yeah i think that's very true the other thing i was going to say though i mean i think you're totally right about droids and animals and the way they're treated what's funny though is that to me in that same episode episode five they really advanced something that i'd never seen done before um, and I was very impressed by, and, and I was thinking about it because I just read about this in a book as well, uh, a book called Kenobi, which is the way they deal with the sand people. Um, mm. You know, because, you know, in the original movies, they didn't have this consciousness, and I understand it. But, like, there's an easy way to see the sand people as, you know, basically an indigenous population 
that seems barbaric and strange to the the colonizer settlers and so is like you know fought with that might sound familiar to some of our listeners right um and so the no, fact, I don't know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so the fact, and it's interesting because this this novel Kenobi is all about like Ben's early years on Tatooine, watching over the baby Luke, and it it really gets deep into like the inner workings of the Sand People and and like their their perspectives on things, very much from this like colonizer um, indigenous uh, frame. Mm-hmm. And so having that scene where the Mandalorian is basically like, you know telling the the other bounty hunter like no like these are you know we have to respect their customs and we're crossing their land and we've got to i'm going to communicate with them because there are other sentient beings worthy of that respect and we got to give them stuff because we're respecting their land um and that was such a departure from how the sand people had ever been shown that i really liked Mm -hmm. it yeah yeah no that's yeah i mean in in the first one it's like oh they're gonna you know they're here i'm gonna like decapitate them with my lightsaber probably right. cut off their hands I don't remember exactly. <laughs> right <laughs> no. um so yeah so um let's, we're going to talk about kind of the journeys of the characters and I think the Mandalorian obviously is kind of like the biggest one and we, we've talked about his his experience with the droids what else do you think is really notable about his kind of where he starts the, the season and where he ends I just feel like uh, you know when it starts out he's like at odds with his people you know, mm-hmm. the other Mandalorians. And, um, you know, I love when they came and helped him during that whole battle. Yep. Um, and then I guess at the end when he goes back, are we supposed to think they're all dead? I yeah, think I, they I, fled. They just oh. left their armor? Yeah, I, I thought the idea was that the armor was the only one who was really left. The armor, okay. Because there was like that big pile of all the armor on the ground. And oh. you're like, oh, why would you yeah. take all that off? Um but it's just kind of like, you know, he started, I feel like, I don't know, to care more about mm-hmm. his putting his life into a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he kind of gets swept up in a cause. It's a very small cause. It's like protecting this child. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But before then, he's got like the way. Right. But he doesn't really have like a cause. I mean, I guess I guess he's trying to like, you know return the best guards to like his adoptive people basically and right. you know be be one of them and be part of that you know community mm-hmm. right support but, he wants to support tr- the foundlings trust exactly exactly but um so, so i guess like people now <laughs> trusting people yeah exactly um working with people you know like in episode mm-hmm. four at the end of episode four he's like hey you could come with me you know yeah. It's like, wait, what? Really? Like, <laughs> you're putting together a team? Yeah. Like... <laughs> and, like, when he knows he's going to need Kara towards the end, like, he, you know, makes sure he gets her. Yeah. Right. I mean, he yeah. does put together a team with Kara and with Queel and the Dubax and, and all the right. rest of them. Yeah, Grace. exactly. Which, but, you know. But you're right. He's I just at... want to keep calling him Lando. <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, you got to wonder, how do they all communicate with each other? Because... Like, they only call him Mando because he's a Mandalorian. And, like, so if you meet two Mandalorians, what do you do? Like, Mando 1, Mando 2? Like, someone's got to have a name at some point. Mando, Mando, Mando. (laughs) What was his name? His name's Jaren? Din Jaren? Din Jaren is his name. Din Jaren. But, yeah, I I don't even know who uses it. Like, he, he says that the fact that the moth knows it must mean he is this particular moth. So it seems like this is not a name he goes by. This is like, you know, he knew my name from 20 years ago. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure it's gonna. He's gonna have something to do with like his parents getting killed. I mean, don't they yeah. always? That's <laughs> they my all, prediction. Always. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it works. <laughs> I, I think as we talk about this, we keep sort of being on the edge of talking about our theories, and that's probably a big part of you know even talking about the characters. So, so let's start with that. Let's just start with the Mandalorians. Like what? What did we learn this season, and what are kind of your thoughts on, on what we may learn or, or how this all fits next year for the, for the Mandalorians themselves for this coming season? Like, I am – I'm both a little frustrated but also really fascinated by the world they're giving us for the Mandalorians, um, mm-hmm. especially because the Mandalorians have been very well developed, especially by the Clone Wars and the Star Wars Rebels TV show. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the way those shows ended – and where the Mandalorians are today are very different. You know, in those, they take their masks off all the time. Um, you know, people see them without their helmets. And we never have reference to this thing they call the Great Perch. Um, right. And so do you think that this is like a part of Mandalore that we just haven't seen before? Is this, has the way started entirely in the last like 15 years since the Purge? What, what's your kind of take on, on where we're going to go with that? I have no idea. I'll just get that out of the way. Well, I (laughs) think... I'll try. Um, I think them showing that dark lightsaber at the end, that that was what? Uh, That used to be like Mandalorians or something? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want to give too much... Like, I don't know. But I think, like, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And, like, the weapons he's getting now, like, him and his jetpack just, like, destroyed that TIE fighter. Yeah, uh, and uh, I don't know. With that coming out, we're gonna get to see like, well, where the hell did that come from? Who had that? What made you guys start like the way? Did you guys have like a rogue Jedi dark side Mando in there somewhere that we need to find out about? And like, is that what you guys like finally used to reel your stuff in? Yeah, like I don't know. It, the universe has always had problem with time jumps, um, and I yeah. it, it's my one frustration, and I really hope they better address it because, like. By the canon that we already have from the TV shows, it's established that as of 15 years before what we're seeing, um, you know, the Mandalorians were still an existing culture. The Mandalorians knew all about the Jedi and hated the Jedi and saw the Jedi as their enemy, but Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes team up with the Jedi against the Empire. And that the Black Saber was this thing that... um, you know, the Mandalorians had as this weapon because they stole it from the... They, they, def- they defeated the Jedi at one point and, and got this weapon as their prize. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the fact that the that, that Jin, that Mando, has never even heard of the Jedi felt really weird to me. Um, right. Like, well, because it's like, how old is he? Right. And, like, he's raised by a people who have, like, so much of their world is dedicated to being against the Jedi. Um, yeah. Yeah. So... I feel like there's some major thing that has happened in between everything else and where the Mandalorian is now. And it can make sense if they explain it. I just really want them to like, I want this season us to get more into what is the way and how did this all become? Because it's fascinating. It doesn't really fit with what we have for the Mandalorians before now. Yeah. I didn't think I'm about s- it that way. I'm skeptical that it'll make sense if they explain it. I just just want to express that. Um, Okay, Debbie Downer. (laughs) It's not quite a lost season four or five feeling, but... (laughs) Where I was like, this is definitely not going to make any sense once they explain it. But in terms of the time... Like, I think what they will be able to do is come up with an explanation that, that will make sense 
from a certain point of view. Yeah. <laughs> but, but if you, like, really, you know, um, try to, like, um, square it with some of the earlier things, I think... So, like, the, wait, 15 years, you're saying, like, that's between... I mean, that would be between the Clone Wars and... Yeah, uh, I mean, or between Revenge of the Sith and... I mean, I mean to give no spoilers Hulk, away, right? I mean, but we yeah. do visit, like, the situation on Mandalore is referenced yeah. and gone into during the show Star mm. Wars Rebels. Okay, And, okay, and Star yeah, Wars so Rebels that's... happens yeah. about five to three years before... Before, um, before A New Hope. Before right? A New Hope. Yeah. And we're supposed... I believe it's supposed to be about... This This is taking place about ten years after New Hope. Because it's about five years... Four after years Ch- after the Battle of Endor. So... Right, right. Ten to twenty years, probably, yeah. Right, yeah, so, so... Why wouldn't you know about the Jedi? I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it... I mean, so here's the thing. Like, all of these things that take place in space, right? Um, I feel like there's a certain amount of physics... That should be invoked in terms of, like, relativity and people experience time differently depending on how fast they're going. People are traveling at light speed. I don't know. I feel like somewhere in there there's a more science fiction-y kind of explanation, maybe. Really, what they should have done is they just should have stuck Luke and Leia in an ice bubble for 50 years, 100 years, and then the whole thing would have worked out better. Yeah. But Or actually, carbonite freezing, right? Just throw Padme in some carbonite. And have her in there for like 40, 50 years. And then she comes out, you know, the, the twins come out. And then, you know, she, she dies from carbon, you know, hibernation sickness or whatever. Sure. And whatever like, made, it made more sense. <laughs> and exactly. That way, that and way then, no one's putting together the incredibly obvious pieces that Anakin became Darth Vader because it's so much longer. He must have died out by now. I mean. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, well, there was this really powerful Jedi who was a little suspect <laughs> And, <laughs> and so here, here's my theory, and I, I don't know, you're right, they may not explain it at all, but this is the way I think they could kind of, like, square the circle, or, or whatever the hell you, the phrase is. Um, mm-hmm. If there is something of, like, there's a difference between, like, the Mandalorian people who live on Mandalore, mm-hmm. who also follow this idea, and then kind of the Mandalorian diaspora. And that, right. And this is something that does happen, you know, like, people who yeah, are far away from the home country often honor the ways of the home country far more than anyone else because they don't mm. they, they aren't just on Mandalore um, right. and and in some religions there's more rules about it and things like that and so I could kind of see if maybe like the way is for Mandalorians who are not on Mandalore and so that's why it's like kind of stricter and that we haven't seen it explored much um, mm, I it, like that it's a way they could do it yeah that, that that's currently yeah. my theory that I'm working on and that part of what happened is now Mandalore itself got wiped out and so now all there is is the diaspora is the diaspora Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So you're gonna send them that uh, that note and make <laughs> well, sure that I'm just I'm, <laughs> I'm just hanging my hook on it that maybe that's that's the thing that's gonna happen in, in season two or, or season five. You're right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, no. What What's your take on uh, uh, Baby Yoda and like what where Where's he coming from and where are they gonna where, what are they gonna do with him? I just like he's already done more Jedi tricks than most of the Jedi's in all movies put together. Uh-huh. Like he's done all of them. Um, and I'm really excited about it, but he's, if he's not a Jedi, is he going to be that thing that we were kind of talking about, um, during Return of the Jedi talk, like that middle kind of creature where you're not dark side, you're not a Jedi, you just get to live in this middle space and have all the powers? Well, so we were talking recently on the Clone Wars, uh, episode, actually the one that will go up just a day before, uh, this episode does, 
that um, the Clone Wars establishes that, like, the Jedi isn't the whole of the light side, and the, the Sith aren't the whole of the dark side. And I think he certainly exists in some kind of, like, you know, outside of that thing. I mean, he's certainly not a Jedi by any means. Um, yeah. You know, he can form attachments. No one's, like, telling him right. not to. Yeah. Um, Raised by a bounty hunter. Uh, he can force heal and force choke you at the same time. <laughs> Don't kink shame, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. Oh, there we just lost our child audience. Um, <laughs> I may edit that moment out. But, but yeah, I... I, I, what I'm really interested in is, is is where he comes from. You know, I think that we never knew anything about the origins of Yoda. I think we always sort of thought of Dagobah as his home planet, but it could just be where he went to, like, camp oh. out. And yeah, I so, don't think it is. But. And I think we saw another Yoda-like creature in The Phantom Menace who was pink and had kind of, like, a similar ear structure. But mm-hmm. even then, it was never known, is, is this Yoda? Is this someone else like Yoda? Um I'm up to learning almost anything about that character. I think my only thought is, you know, and granted, this is my own point of view. Not everyone will agree. I really dislike the idea that everything, especially about the Force, has to be about, like, you're part of a certain, you know, bloodline. And so I will be very happy if this is some long-lost member of the race that Yoda belonged to. If this is actually Yoda's child or, like, Yoda's... DNA oh, somehow right, right. or cloned, I'm going to be so mad. Like, just don't yeah. give us that story again. Yeah. yeah. Well, also, I mean, this kid's 50, right? Right. So, like, what kind of a parent was Yoda? Like, <laughs> if, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> everybody's got their baggage, man. Well, I mean, 50 years ago, Yoda was already an old, old man. So I think it would, it, if it's a connection to Yoda, it would be like, you know, Yoda's great grandchild or something like that, probably. But, right. I'll right. accept like a fifth cousin. Yeah. You know, yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> Even some time, yeah. But I just, I don't want it to be, um, and especially. Right. You- the- Yoda's baby or <laughs> grandkid or whatever. Yeah, no, it's like we, we've done that. I just. Give us a new character. And this, to me, ties into um, one of the things I'm most excited about, just A, because it's awesome, but also because of this storyline. We're getting Ahsoka, uh, the character from the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. Rosario? Rosario Dawson's playing her. Yep. Night Nurse is coming to Star Wars. (laughs) Um, I think she's one of the best characters introduced in the Clone Wars TV show. Um, If you've only seen the movies, you've probably never seen her, except um, that in the climactic scene of Rise of Skywalker when all the former Jedi are talking to Rey, she's one of the voices you hear. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. But, but you know, she was Anakin's pat Padawan. And the, the only reason I, I'm particularly excited for her to come in in this regard is, to this date, we have never, no character has both seen baby, baby Yoda and also knew actual Yoda. And presumably she's oh. going to meet the child. So I figured that has to be the moment where she's like, oh, right. He's the same race as this, you know, phenomenally powerful Jedi master who used to be, like, helping to run everything. Right. Oh. Yeah, like, she should that. have some level of insight. Right. Like, as opposed to most people who are like, what is that thing? Right. And, and I, I, that's I was, a good point. I was wondering if maybe that's how we're going to bring her in, in that... You know, this season ends with. Uh, it's funny because the 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 um, armor says take take this child back to its people, 
But she doesn't mean like small green green pointy eared people. She means the Jedi. And does she? She says that. I I thought so because Mando says at the very end like so I'm supposed to take it back to this race of you know enemy sorcerers and she kind of is like well maybe they're not our enemy anymore. Um, and and maybe oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think I think they're both like fairly ignorant as to what it would mean to bring that child back to its people like Mm -hmm. you know like and they don't seem to know a lot about jedi and they definitely don't seem to not know a lot about like yoda's species yeah so i i feel like it's a little bit more of an open question it's like figure it out you know bring them back to their people but right um my only point being that i think for ahsoka to be added at the time that mando was going off to look for the jedi i don't think that's at all coincidental and I oh, I, I totally be, agree with that. Mm, okay. you know, yeah. Yeah. Maybe she finds him because he knows that he she knows he's on this search, or maybe he finds her. Um, not to give any spoilers for Clone Wars, but I guess it will be pretty relevant for for people watching Mando. She does not leave the Jedi on good terms, and she has very mixed feelings about the Jedi by the time they're all destroyed. Um, so that I think will also be an interesting thing to see how they play that out. And I, I think. It's an interesting question. Like, what's she up to in the era of new, the New Republic? Like, yeah. you know, because she kind of wasn't so down with the Old Republic, you know, at before it became the Empire, mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she was kind of like, nah. and, you know, partially, and, and obviously what you said about the Jedi. And so, I mean, I haven't finished Rebels, um, and I, I wouldn't really want to spoil it. Although I guess her casting in... Uh, Mandalorian is a spoiler of sorts for <laughs> Rebels, right? I mean, um, maybe she could always be a Force ghost. Sure. Oh, okay. I hate That's that. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> I hate I that mean, so much. I don't know who she'd be talking to, but... Um, Baby Yoder? Yeah. Who never met her. I don't know. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, sure. Um, I, I think casting announcements are often like the types of spoilers that we just have a very hard time um, avoiding, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And whatever, that's fine. But like, and, and, and I, I should just say as a quick aside, um, some people might be thinking, "Wait, we know a lot of this because we've seen the trailers." Um, I've made a point not to see oh. the trailers because I don't want to be spoiled, and I'm guessing Paul, you've done the same. Yeah. What's the trailer? Yeah. Exactly. Oh. I watched all of them because okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter for me. Okay. I thought that what's her face was in the trailer and then I had to go back after everyone's like, no, that wasn't her. But who <laughs> am I talking about? You okay. guys don't know. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, so, yes. Yeah, so any other theories you all have about Ahsoka and how she's going to fit into all this? I think she's going to be badass. That's all I'm asking yeah. for. That's all I need. I hope that Taika does her episode and that's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, guaranteed to be badass. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, your your theory makes sense that she will certainly have something to do. I don't think it's Ooh. like Mando's going to be like, oh, here's the child. Like, you're a Jedi. No. He's a Jedi. Like, you know, but um, I do think that she, as a character, will, you know, will shed a lot of light on that. Yeah. Oh, I just had a thought. They are going to need her because what's his face has that other lightsaber. So who's going to fight him? Yeah. Only oh, someone with Moff a lightsaber. A little lightsaber yeah. battle. Oh, so that maybe would be... she'll teen up to help him because I want to see that so bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, More a lightsaber. And so actually that, that's the other great thing to have some theories on. What 
what does the Empire want with with this baby, and and who is Moff Gideon, and what's he up to? Right, and like when do they become like the seeds of the First Order, yeah, or yeah. like how does that work? Um, like, are we going to see Palpatine's life support crew at some point? <laughs> like... God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, like I I think that we won't. I I hope the show doesn't turn into like here's the founding of of um, the New Order, but I would certainly like to see parts of it and. I think if we eventually discover that at the end of this whole chain of command that um, Moff Gideon and then and then the 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 client were a part of, that um, Snoke is somewhere at the end of it, I would not be sad about that. I think that could be an interesting like that mm-hmm. that someone pulling the strings to get the child or whatever they want from the child is is connected to Snoke. I think could be an interesting like transition towards the the new order. That and seems I would... to me like a good season five reveal. Type <laughs> Again with the season five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet they were trying to like find that thing while it was small and impressionable because imagine having an evil Yoda on your side that mm-hmm. you farmed up and like is your buddy, you know, looks up uh-huh. to you like a father figure or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, you have this badass dark side Yoda. They, they did say a couple times that um, uh, that the child being dead is an acceptable outcome as well. Right. And and so I, I my, my thought is kind of that they have three levels of but also that they would want maybe material from the child's body. Yeah, like extract the midi chlorians or whatever. Oh, the... I, I really... no, you don't want it to you don't want it to fall into the Jedi's hands because it'd be better to them dead instead of being what, you know, inevitably could turn into another Yoda, which was one of the most powerful forces against them. Yeah. Like, right. I, so that's like their worst case scenario is, you know, yeah, he's like, we like him alive, but if you kill him, ah, that's okay. Right, right. <laughs> and, and to some extent, I mean, th- this is one of the interesting things about a show like this that's set in the middle of an established timeline. There's th- some things that we know have to happen. You know, we, we, we do know right. that um, Baby Yoda doesn't wind up being able to be a big part of the rebellion because we, we didn't see it, you know, or, or the New Republic mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. Um, we know that, but at the same time, we, we well, I guess... I was going to say that we don't know that the Empire eventually gets the material, but maybe they do, and maybe that's what creates Snoke. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, I mean that could maybe. Be... Maybe he is Snoke. Oh. It's, oh God. It's not. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it's definitely not. the worst theory. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Aren't there several? <laughs> Especially if fifty years of life, you basically get to the point of about like six months of of uh, development. Um, the idea yeah. that in another four to five well, years he's going to be like, like I think we're going to have to accept that that baby Yoda is always going to be a Yoda, a baby. You know, if he like becomes like uh, an eight right. year old equivalent, like that's just not going to make any sense. Yeah. Oh, well, he's, he's not so six cute. months. He's like a toddler, right? I mean, he toddles. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. more like two years <laughs> or so. But and he's like in the egg or the crib or whatever. I think you know it's like a crib. It's like he sleeps there, but right. you know then he toddles. And... Yeah. Yeah. Gets into trouble stuff. <laughs> Gets people out of trouble. Almost crashes the ship, almost kills the girl, yeah. you know. It's like, hey, I, I heard you guys got frogs. Let me get some of those frogs. Mm-hmm. That's why I liked, I think, it, what was it, the second episode with the Jawas? When they sent them to go find the egg in the hidden butthole mountain or whatever that was supposed to be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, when you, like, did not, I didn't expect yeah, I guess I should have. I guess I was a little naive, but I didn't expect him to be able to be that powerful yeah. already. Mm-hmm. And pick up that monster and body slam it or whatever he did. Right. I mean, yeah, it's interesting because I think we've kind of established until, well, no, never mind. Mo- we, we do actually learn 
most of the Jedi discover their powers very early on, so um, forget that part, except Luke, for whatever reasons. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, we've been going on this for almost an hour or so, and I did want to make sure this didn't go too long. Um, but any of the kind of last theories or ideas that people wanted to, to drop in or, or things that you're hoping for or expecting in, in Season 2? I'm just really looking forward to going over this with you guys. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. No, this is super fun. I'm, I'm, I'm really I'm learning a lot. Having you on some of these podcasts and, and, and getting listener feedback. You know, listener feedback is what this is all about. So um, for listeners, you can definitely be sending us your theories and stuff. Um, Paul, any of the last stuff you're hoping for or looking forward to? Well, now I just want to see Ahsoka, like, in a lightsaber battle against, like, the, the Darksaber or whatever. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> like, come on. Well, especially because I want the Mandalorian to kind of be watching, like, and maybe someone who knows more about the Darksaber as, like, you know, two people who are both not Mandalorian fight over this thing. And he's like, wait, wait, no, that's ours. Like, Right, right, right. Um, well, I mean, I would think Ahsoka wasn't like, hey, give me that. I think it would be more of a confrontation of, you know, um, Gideon being like, oh, give me that little baby Yoda. And she's like, nah, right. you know. Yeah. Well, because and, and again, I'm, um, I'm gonna be very careful not to spoil anything, but just in the most general terms, the saber is seen as a sign of leadership. Like it's kind of ex- it's kind of a Mandalorian mm-hmm. Excalibur. You know, if you oh, have right, it, right. you're kind yeah. of a ruler in Mandalore. And so I can see that yeah. there being a very specific like we need to get that back. And Ahsoka knows all that. Um, right. So I mean, in many ways, Ahsoka could be kind of a walking exposition machine. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't want her to go too far into that, but it. it not even, like, to tell the audience, but that she can connect the dots for our main characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. like, she was there during the Siege of Mandalore. She she knows, in some ways, she probably knows a lot more about Mandalore than he does. Um, yeah. But probably. from a very different yeah. perspective. Yeah. So. Wow. Cool. Yeah, I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be a great season. For you, the fans, we'd love to hear your theories. Um, please be in contact with us. You can find us in a number of different ways. The best way is to go to strandedpanda.com. And then click on our icon. It's the um, two uh, microphones crossed like lightsabers with the Star Wars Rebellion sign behind it. Uh, You can also just search for Star Wars Universe Podcast on any of the places, on Facebook, on Twitter, places like that. All the links to our social media are there. And you can also always email us, Star Wars Universe Podcast at Gmail. Um, As I said, we're going to do episodes about every episode that's coming out. Uh, many of those are going to drop on on Friday night, right after the episode, or maybe early Saturday morning, depending on how crazy my editing schedule is. Um, I love having more voices. I might be able to help. It just means, that'd be great. Um, editing a four-way discussion is so much fun. Um, okay. But um, but we'll do that. As I said, we're also going to be doing the watch parties, um, and you can find all those. Those will be on. Um, uh, uh, th- there's a link that's going to be I'll put up on the Star Wars Universe podcast Facebook, and also on the Stranded Panda uh, Network and other places like that. Um, but we'll be doing those every sep- every Friday night, always at 7.30 Central until the show ends. Um, two other quick things you can also do to, to really help us get more people in. Um, if you're already a fan of, of this podcast or the Star Wars Universe podcast, one of the best things you can do for us right now is go to iTunes or go to anywhere else that um, you leave reviews for podcasts and leave us a review. Um, in the next couple of days, a whole bunch of people are going to be typing Mandalorian into the search bar and... The more reviews our podcast has, more positive reviews especially, um, the higher it's going to go in the search rankings. The more people find this podcast, um, selfishly, that helps me a lot because it helps um, grow the network and generate more income and generate you know more listenership. But also it just, just makes the podcast better. It gives us more people to get feedback from, more people to join in the discussions, all those great things. So if you like this podcast, if you're excited about this podcast, um, the Star Wars unit, please go to any of those. 
iTunes especially, search for Star Wars Universe Podcast, and leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you love about the show. Tell other people what you love about the show. Uh, it's a huge way to help. And the other thing is just tell your friends. You know, um, you're probably going to be having water cooler conversations with people um, in cyber water coolers as much as we can about Mandalorian. <laughs> um, you know, send them links to the episodes. Get them talking about it. Help help us grow the network. It's a, a huge benefit to us, and it just makes all these conversations so much better. So thank you guys all so much for doing that. Um, uh, Ashley and Paul, thank you so much. Um, each of you is also creating your own content in different places, and I want to give you a chance to talk about that. Um, Ashley, you want to go first because you actually just dropped your own first um, a, a podcast episode that you completely conceived, thought of, uh, and recorded and did all the editing for. Yeah, um, right here on uh, – are we doing this on Pandavision? Yep, this is going on this episode. Yeah, right here on Pandavision, I, uh, a friend director of mine, we did a deep dive into Sam Raimi's film career, uh, made a very Halloween-y episode out in the woods, um, a lot of crickets, and it was a lot of fun. So, you know, to get ready – you know, for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, I wanted to take like a really deep look into like all the different movies and how he started with Bruce Campbell. And yeah, we, we pretty much cover his entire career. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, that sounds fun. I'm a huge Bruce Campbell fan, uh, primarily because of the character of Sam Axe and Burn Notice, but he's been great. <laughs> the chin. Um, what would you say, Paul? The chin. Yeah, exactly. The chin. Um, if chins could talk if chins for sure for <laughs> sure and I'll also say Ashley has been a frequent guest on my own podcasts on some of the a number of the other uh, podcasts she was a big part of our review of the boys uh, she jumped into a couple Lovecraft Country episodes I think uh, you and I did a whole Lovecraft Country episode ourselves right yep yeah it was mm-hmm. very much uh, the mice the cats are away and the mice will play kind of thing we had <laughs> fun um, we had a lot of fun that week <laughs> definitely definitely um, yeah but so Paul what, what about you what are you, what are you up to these days uh, creatively um, I'm doing some streaming and video making and stuff. I'm Zen Madman on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, the good old dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, that's it. And I just wanted to kind of with a, a thought of uh, how does Baby Yoda eliminate waste? Like we never see Mando changing diapers or anything like that. <laughs> I, it's just I don't know. <laughs> Season it's two like, doesn't it, cover you can't that. It. I'm out. <laughs> and you know, like. Here's the thing. I would normally be like, eh, look, that's a topic the whole universe just decides not to talk about. Except in the very first episode, a major plot point was the the (laughs) person who Mando had captured saying he has to go evacuate, like use the bathroom. So we've established that, like, you know, different genet, different, you know, races use of um, excrement is an important part of this universe. So, yeah, that's a... I, I don't I don't quite want to see no. the changing diaper scene, but that is an interesting part of his. I, I, just, I want to hear sure. about it. I want some expository dialogue about it, you know. I second Paul. Yeah, they better exactly. explain it. Ahsoka just should tease him about it, you know, in some way, like mm. just something to bring it up. So, and um, Jeff Randall, who can't be on this podcast right now, he has just moved. He doesn't have internet yet, um, but he would be very upset if I didn't say that we also do want to see um, uh, Cara Dune oh, come yeah. back in some yeah. way or another. Because as as he as he would tell us, Cara so Dune is Bay. Um, that that is that is that is almost his watchword. Um, so we, we we've honored him. We've honored all these things. Thank you all so much for being great listeners. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Please go vote. Uh, this is coming out just a week before the election. Um, please make sure you have a plan to vote and plan to vote safely. And uh, write in, share this podcast with others, write us a review, and have a great day. I have spoken. This is the way. 